42 years ago, we came here to Covington Baptist for the first time. How many of you were here 42 years ago? I was. And you have been faithfully praying for us and giving so that we could be in Spain all these years. And as has been said, we hope you can come back the second hour because that's where we're going to be able to tell you a little bit more about what God has been doing in Spain over the last few years. Uh, we appreciate you allowing us to come today. I know it's a hectic time of the year, but we are finishing up our travels in the States. And this is our last meeting before we return to Spain. But before we return to Spain, on the 19th of December, our son Kevin and his family are coming from Spain. And on the 23rd of December, our son Keith and his family are coming from Italy. And we're all going to be together, all 19 of us, for our first Christmas together ever because the last time we were together about eight or nine years ago, there were only five grandchildren. Now we have 11 grandchildren. So it's going to be a great time. And we're uh, thankful to the Lord. We'll tell you a little bit more about our families when you come back the second hour. Also, there's a table in the back with some just some items that we brought from Spain, just to give you an idea of some of the things there. There's also a prayer card there. We hope you'll stop and take one and as a reminder to pray for us. <coughs> I wanted to talk a little bit this morning. We, we read the verses about being salt. Have you ever thought about all of the things that salt is good for? It's incredible. I was looking, I, got, I received this thing in Facebook and it said, all the uses for salt. And it's incredible there, I think there were 20 or 30 of them, but just for a few of them. You can clean your refrigerator with salt. You can sanitize. You can remove watermarks on wood. It's good for bee stings and poison ivy. It's good to put out fires. If you've got a sore throat, you can gargle with salt. You can unclog drains. Salt is incredible. It would be really hard to live without salt. A few years ago, our son Kevin was diagnosed with diabetes, and so now he has to live just about without sugar. His life has changed tremendously. I'm sure there are others here that are diabetic or know someone who's diabetic, and you know how difficult it can be. Fortunately, he's very disciplined, so he seems to be handling it well, but it still complicates things. One thing is sugar, another thing is salt. Where would we be without salt? We love it. We put it on everything. The more salt, the better, right? What's popcorn without salt? I know there are people who must learn to live without salt because of health issues, but it's no fun at all to be without salt. After one meeting, a lady came up to me and she said, oh, I know exactly what you mean. A couple of years ago, my doctor told me I couldn't have any more salt. She said, my life is miserable. Now, in Spain, we'd be in big trouble without salt. A lot of people think that Spain is like Mexico and a lot of spices, but that's not true. In fact, if you were in Spain and you asked for a taco, they'd give you a little plastic plug about this big and you'd put a hole in the wall and you'd stick that plastic ta uh, taco in the wall, put a hook on it, and you'd hang your picture. If you wanted a tortilla, They'd make, they're delicious, but tortillas in Spain is a, an omelet with potatoes and onion and a lot of salt. And if you wanted a burrito, you'd have to go to the farm and find a little donkey. 
So we don't have the same, words don't mean the same in Spain. Now we do have Taco Bell now, so people are beginning to understand what those other tacos and burritos are. But the, about the spiciest thing we have there is paprika. And even that is a sweet paprika. So we don't use a lot of, of spicy, hot spices, but we do use a lot of salt. Spain is an extremely complex subject, although it's just sodium chloride, which is a simple chemical compound. The Oxford English Dictionary needs four pages to tell us all there is to know about salt, more than any other food. The ancient Greek poet Homer called salt a divine substance. Another Greek philosopher, Plato, described it as especially near to the gods. In Judaism and Christianity, salt is a symbol of the covenant between God and the ancient Hebrews, so there are many references to it in the Old Testament. We see one of them here. Uh, um, Numbers 18, verse 19, it says... All the holy contributions that the people of Israel present to the Lord I give to you. Is that what it's saying? Can't read without my glasses. And to your sons and daughters with you as a perpetual due. It is a covenant of salt forever before the Lord for you and for your offspring with you. Also in Second Chronicles, it says something very similar. Because of its preservative powers, if a, if a covenant is a, with salt, it's a perpetual covenant. It lasts forever. So that's why God told them, if you want to see which ones are my covenants are perpetual, my promises, they're going to be the ones that have salt. Salt was a very important part of the sacrifices that were offered to God. In Leviticus 2.13, we read, You shall season all your grain offerings with salt. You shall not let the salt of the covenant with your God be missing from your grain offering. With all your offerings, you shall offer salt. Salt was an important part of the Old Testament covenants that God made when people offered their, 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 their offerings to God. So when Jesus said that we are the salt of the world, he must have had something particular in mind. Let's see what he has to say in Matthew 5, 13 and in Luke 14, 35 about salt. We read it before. It says, you are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste... How shall its saltiness be restored? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. Salt is good, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It's of no use either for the soil or for a manure pile. It is thrown away. He who has ears, let him hear. Salt has always been very important. In fact, you know the word salary comes from salt. When you go and get your paycheck, you're actually getting your salary. In the ancient times in Rome, it specifically meant the amount of money that a Roman soldier would need to buy salt, which was expensive but an essential commodity. Can you imagine going to pick up your paycheck and getting a big bag of salt? Well, that's how important it was. So now we need to explore a bit to see why Jesus would tell us that we are the salt of the earth perhaps some of the same characteristics that salt has would be characteristics that we should have. There must have been a reason why Jesus said we are the salt of the earth. First of all, we see that salt preserves. Before there were refrigerators, now some of us are older and we probably haven't been without refrigerators. Some of us may remember ice boxes. We remember when I was a kid, we used to call the refrigerator the ice box. Before there were ice boxes, 
the only way to preserve meat or, or other things as well was with salt. You can preserve food so that it won't rot by putting it in salt. Spain has always used salt to cure its food. Now there's a certain kind of fish in Spain called bacalao and uh, it's completely covered with salt and when you buy it, it's just practically like a big chunk of salt because they take this fish, I think it's cod, they, they put down some salt and they lay the fish and then the salt and then the fish and they leave it there for many days and that fish is not going to go bad. In fact, when you actually want to cook it, you've got to soak it in water for a long time to get all that salt out of it. But that's the way they eat that particular kind of fish. Now this picture you see here, this is called jamón ibérico. This is Iberian ham and it's... Uh, it's made with salt as well. This particular leg of ham is very expensive. It's special because the pigs only eat acorns. They root around underneath the oak, oak and cork trees for several years. Their meat is very dark and very tender. It almost melts in your mouth. I remember the first time I tried jamón ibérico, I couldn't believe how tender it was. Because a lot of times the cured meats are a little bit chewy the ham, ham that we have in our region of Madrid is just a little bit chewier. It's still good, but it's not quite the same. The most expensive leg of ham available is called manchado de jabugo. It just means the region where it's from. And it retails for about $4,600 for the leg. Usually costs about $85 a pound. So don't complain when you're buying a hamburger and slices of ham. But the production of this ham depends highly on salt. If they don't use salt and use it properly, this leg of ham is not going to be any good. Same with the bacalao. They lay down some salt. They put down the, the, uh, the leg. They put down several layers of this. For about 10 days, the hams are covered in salt, and from there, they're cured for 36 months. If you've ever had prosciutto ham from Italy, it's a poor imitation. But it'll give you an idea. If you ever want to try, see what it is, go to the grocery store and find some prosciutto ham. Although recently I've seen in some of the stores they're even selling Iberian ham. I went to Costco the other day and they had a package, pretty small package, $45 for the ham. I didn't buy it. <laughs> I bought some prosciutto instead. <laughs> Jesus is saying that we should be to the world what salt is to food. The world's in pretty bad shape everywhere. If you think it's only happening um, in America, you're wrong. In fact, many of the battles that are being fought today in America have already been lost in many places because there's little to no Christian influence like we have here. When we come back to America, people are always lamenting how bad things are here. I usually don't say very much, but in reality, in most countries, the battles that we have begun to fight here have already been lost in many of these other places. One pastor asked me about the battle over same-sex marriage in Spain. Over a decade ago, that battle was short-lived and hardly a blip on the radar. Spain was one of the first countries to legalize same-sex marriage and is very proud of that distinction. In Spain, there are no national evangelical leaders. Now, just take this in. There are no national evangelical leaders, no evangelical politicians, and no well-known 
evangelicals. Now, we don't agree with everything that a lot of the evangelical leaders and even politicians, but they're there. They have an influence. Every once in a while, we'll have an evangelical soccer player coming from another country, but he's considered to be an oddity. In order for that ham to be cured, it must be totally buried in the salt. Just as salt must be in contact with the meat to preserve it, we must also be in contact with the world. John 17, 14 through 15 speaks of this relationship. It says, I have given them thy word, and the world hath hated them, because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but thou shouldst keep them from the evil one. We are in the, to be in the world, but not of the world. If you ever come to visit us in Spain, we can take you to some beautiful convents and monasteries. In fact, some of these convents have been turned into hotels, and you can actually sleep in them. If you go to the monastery, you can sleep in a monk bed. It's a joke. Monk bed, bunk bed. Sorry. <laughs> but these convents, these monasteries, people that live there are cloistered. They don't leave them. They live in silence. They have no impact. Well, they do have a little bit of impact. There's one monastery we went to that sold, that made cookies. You'd go to, there was a door in the wall, and you'd, you'd write down, they had a list of the things, and you'd write down on the paper what you wanted, and you'd pass it through a door. They'd swing it around. They'd write down how much it was going to cost. They'd swing it back. You'd put your money in. They'd swing it back. They'd put the cookies and swing it back. No contact. They're not making any impact on the world except through their delicious cookies. If the meat isn't completely covered by the salt, the salt cannot do its job. When we have friends, we spend time with them and are a part of their lives, we are the salt of the earth to them. We need to be around the unsaved so that we can be salt to them. We need to participate in their lives so that they will allow us to have input when difficult times come for them. One of the biggest problems or challenges that we have as Christians is maintaining our friendships with unsaved people. A lot of times when we first get saved, we really want to just leave all of our old world behind. But sometimes we need to stop and think, how can I have an impact on my unsaved friends? We want to be available to do what we can to be a part of people's lives, even if that may mean at times that they might take advantage of us. That's one of the greatest fears Spaniards have is of being taken advantage of. They're always telling us, be careful. So-and-so is taking advantage of you, which they don't realize they're also taking advantage of us. But they just can't stand it if someone's taking advantage of them or someone else. We jokingly tell people we're doormats for Jesus. We don't mind people taking advantage of us. We like to be available. We like them to know that they can count on us. So when the problems do come along, we're there, and they're willing to open up and, and share with us. Another thing that salt does, salt thaws. Don't you just love winter in the ice? We always try to come back to the States when there's no ice and snow. This year, we didn't quite make it. But, uh, so far, it hasn't been too bad. Now we can see another use for salt. We get, we get tremendous snowstorms in Campo Real. About every three or four years, we get about a half an inch of snow, and life stops. Nobody knows how to drive in the snow. Our poor friend Isabel was 
turning around the corner and her car slid right into another car. That's when we can use ice, excuse me, uh, salt, to thaw out that, that ice. As much as we hate what the salt can do to our cars, we know that salt is great for dissolving snow and ice. When salt comes in contact with the ice, it lowers the freezing point of water. The lower the outside temperature, the more salt you need. If you want to make ice cream, the same principle works there. We don't get a lot of snow in our area of Spain, but... That looks, is that uh, a pile of... I guess it is. <laughs> I see it back. My vision is really bad for distances. I'm hoping that's piles of... Uh, Piles of salt. <laughs> uh, there's areas of Spain along the coast. Spain is a peninsula. Do you know that we're on the same latitude, is that that way, as Chicago? But because we're a peninsula, we're surrounded by the ocean, and so our, our temperatures are more like California. But along the coast, they have uh, these places where they collect the salt, and they pile them up and then they take it to places in the northern part of Spain and other parts of Europe where there's a lot of snow and they use it to melt the ice. You can see these, when you travel along the eastern coast of Spain, you can see these 20 to 30 foot piled high salt mounts. We live in a, a world of frozen hearts. People need the Lord and they need to be around believers who can tell them of the God who can melt their hearts and make them new again. When we have a relationship with them, their hearts dissolve faster. We need to make friends and be in contact with them so they can know the truth. This is how Paul tells us we should be salt in the world. Colossians 4, 6 says, Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Seasoned with salt. We are the salt of the earth. Salt also irritates. Now, if you've ever gotten a, a, a sore and salt comes in contact with a wound, it stings. We don't like it, the pain, because the salt on the wound hurts. But it's a good thing. The salt draws the liquid out of the skin and along with it all the bad bacteria that's there. And so, like I said, since Spain is a peninsula surrounded by water, Spaniards love to go swimming. Many people have a second home on the, on the beach. During the month of July and August, just about, that's the best time to come and visit Madrid because it's practically empty. Everybody's gone to the ocean, to the sea. You know, and some doctors actually write a prescription for people to go to the sea if they have skin problems. During the month of July and August, everyone heads to the ocean. Even though salt may irritate at the beginning, it's really good for you. There are times when we are salt and people may not be too happy with what we have to say to them. The gospel also can irritate. The lives we live as believers may irritate those around us. There are many times in Spain that it's apparent that we're different, not just because we're Americans, not just because we're missionaries, but because we live a different lifestyle and not everyone appreciates how we live. And that can happen to all of us. When we obey the law and pay our taxes and don't speak poorly of others, that can irritate some. When we share the gospel, they might be irritated. It seems to be harder all the time to share the gospel, especially nowadays when it's all about tolerance. So there would, 
there will be those who won't like your message. When we come to know Christ as their Savior, they'll be glad that you were a bit irritating about sharing the word. Now, this is a picture of my friend Alex. Alex is from Cuba. He's a, uh, he came to, to uh, Europe to seek asylum, and he thought he was a Christian. He grew up in a Christian home, and one day he came by our, our center, and there was a lady there cleaning, and she invited them to come to church, and they came to church the next Sunday, and Alex was real excited. I said, Alex, why don't you come back tomorrow? Uh, we teach, have English class, and while, we're having English while they're having English class, we'll have a Bible study. So Alex came, and he told me that when he was a boy, he, he had gotten saved and been baptized. His mother was a very faithful, dedicated Christian, but in the last few years, he hadn't been really very faithful. So we talked a little bit about it, and then I shared a very simple outline with Alex. Just five points. We're all sinners. God loves us. Christ died for our sins. We receive him. We have everlasting life. Alex was a little bit upset because I was kind of questioning his salvation. But when I asked him, why do you think you should go to heaven? He said, well, I was baptized. I've, I've been a good person. It became very apparent that he had never trusted in Christ as his savior. So I said, Alex, I want you to go home. I gave him the little track that I had used, a little booklet. So I want you to go home and I want you to think on these things. And Friday, you come back and we'll have another Bible study. And Alex came back on Friday and says, you know, I've been thinking a lot about what you said. And I, do th and I accepted Christ as my Savior this week. Alex was a little bit irritated in the beginning. You know, I find that sometimes we have to get people lost before we can get them saved. I see that a lot in Spain. Our neighbor lady, we talked to her one time, she said, what sin do I have? She didn't want to recognize that she was a sinner. And many people are irritated by the gospel, which tells us that the first point of it all, I'm a sinner. That's sometimes hard to take when we're very proud and, oh, I'm not as bad as the next guy. When we measure ourselves with other people, we can be pretty good. We've never robbed a bank, never killed anybody, never run over anybody. But when we compare ourselves to the holy, perfect God, there's nothing we can do. So sometimes we're going to be a little bit irritating. Jesus didn't say we're the sugar or the honey of the earth. Think about that. For an important reason, Jesus chose salt. Being salt at times can be difficult, but that's what we're called to be. The salt doesn't heal the wound. It only makes the wound heal faster. We can't save anyone. Only Christ saves, but we can have a part by sharing the gospel, even under difficult circumstances. Another thing that salt does, salt produces thirst. If you eat something salty, you get thirsty. That same ham that we love so much that's been cured in salt also makes you thirsty. After you eat the ham, you need to drink something. They say that the movie theaters like to serve popcorn because it makes people thirsty, and then they have to buy a soft drink, pay $5 for a little bit of soft drink. So they make more money. When salt enters our bloodstream, the body starts to crave liquids to counterbalance the extra salt. Our lifestyles should produce thirst in others. How we are, how our marriage is, how we live our lives should give others a craving to have what we have. The salt makes you thirsty but not satisfied. It's important to remember that although we are salt, the Bible says that Jesus is the living water. 
in John chapter 4, verses 13 and 14, it says, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become to him a spring of water welling up in eternal life. We should cause, cause others to thirst after Christ. Only Christ can satisfy, but we'll have the opportunity to tell them what Christ has done in our lives when they see him reflected in us. One of the great stories of God's grace was a couple of young men in Coslada. We started the church in Coslada in 1983, and we were there until about 2001. And there was a family, one of the first families that came, it was a husband and wife and seven children. And Brikiva came, and she started studying the Bible. Her husband came with her. Three of her children started coming. And Brikiva said, you know, I have two sons that are drug addicts. Is there anything you can do? She said, well, we can pray for them. We didn't have any experience with drug addicts, and we were a little scared to think about what, how we could help them. But we started to pray, and we started to talk to them, and we, we uh, got Jose into a Christian rehabilitation center. And while he was there, he trusted in Christ as Savior, and his life was completely changed. But the other brother, Salvador, he was a tough cookie. He was one of these guys, if you were walking down the street and you saw him coming towards you, you'd probably have the inclination to want to cross over to the other side of the street because he was a pretty scary-looking guy. Well, his youngest brother, Santi, wanted to go to family camp. So he said, well, let's just take Salvador with us. They knew they couldn't leave Salvador at home alone because when they got back, everything would be missing, the toaster, the VCR, the television, the microwave, because he'd be selling it to get drugs. They couldn't leave him alone in the house. We thought, oh, wow, Salvador will never go to family camp. Guess what? He did. While he was at family camp, God did a work in his life. He was around other Christians. He'd never been around Christians before. He didn't know what Christians were who true believers were. And during that week, someone loaned him the book Only by Grace by Charles Spurgeon, and he read that book, and he got saved, miraculously saved. But you know, that was just the beginning of the story because he went back and he shared the gospel with his friends, and they saw the change in his life. He didn't need drugs anymore. One of his friends said, Wow, Salvador, whatever that drug is, I'd like to get some of that. He was having an influence on them. They, he made the others thirsty for what he had. That's the kind of lives that we should live so that people notice that we're different, that there's something about us, there's something about our relationship that would, would cause them to want to, be this, to have the same. Salt also gives flavor. Life without salt is pretty bland. Unless you've been on a salt-free diet, you probably can't appreciate how important salt is to food. I don't put a lot of extra salt on food, but I can definitely tell when food needs more salt. When God tells us that we are salt, he wants to add flavor to the lives of those around us. People should be glad to have us around them. We should make them want what we have. Our lives should be contagious. There's nothing worse than a believer who has nothing to offer to the world around them. When we, we're going to tell you a little bit more about some of the activities that we have in, uh, in uh, our church in Torres. But one thing that we started uh, about three years ago was basketball camp. And about 
10 years ago, even before we had our center, we started having English camp. These are pre-evangelism, pre you could call them, or tilling the soil. We don't preach the mess uh, gospel message or anything. We just spend time with them, teach them English, teach them basketball. But the whole purpose is that then they'll come the next week to our Bible club. But what's been curious is that over the years, when we first started, people were a little bit reluctant, first of all, to even come to any of our activities, but that they got to know us more. They started coming to basketball and to, to the English camp, and then they started coming to the Bible club. This year, for the first time, we had more kids in our Bible club than we had in our English camp. That's the kind of relationships that we want to build so people can see there's something there, there's something different. Our co-workers started something, they live near each other, and so they started practice on the patio, and they invite their friends once a month, and they have a little barbecue, and they, the whole time they, they speak in English. But they were telling me how often their conversations are about family, and the differences in, in a Christian family and their family, and the relationships that they have with each other and with their children. We want to give flavor. We want people to desire what we have, what God has done in our lives. Salt can also be useless. Salt is a very important part of life, but when salt loses its properties, watch out, there's nothing you can do with salt that's no good. Scientists say that salt can't lose its flavor. It just, it's, it's always the same. But the Bible here, Jesus wasn't talking about the refined Morton salt that we buy or even the Himalayan pink salt. The salt that they used in those days was, was, uh, came from a rock salt found by the Dead Sea. Because it was crudely gathered, earth and other impurities were collected with it into the bag. If the salt got wet and dissolved, the insoluble bits of rock would remain. It didn't take much moisture to dissolve the salt and leave behind a bag of useless tiny stones. Once mo most of the salt content were lost, it was no longer useful. However, it couldn't even be tossed in the garden or a field because any remaining salt would ruin, ruin the soil. The best place for it was to be disposed on the street where it would be trampled underfoot by pedestrians. It's hard to even throw it away. So the information here in Luke 14, 34 is very important. Salt is good, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be re restored? God tells us that we're, sal we're to be salt in the place where we are. This is a statement of fact. This is not a commandment. We are the salt of the earth. But if we fail to be salt and begin to tolerate sin in our own lives or don't really care how we live our lives, but just like that salt that will be worthless to God and to man. If we forget the importance of a personal, daily, intimate relationship with God, we'll be just like that salt, worthless. If we forget to pray, if we don't read our Bible, if we don't share the gospel with others, we'll be of little use. Verse 35 says that it's of no use either for the soil or for the manure pile. It is thrown away. There will be no satisfaction. We won't be happy with God or with the world. Let us be salt in the world as God has told us to be. Let us have these characteristics of salt that will draw the world to the Lord Jesus Christ. Let us not forget the great responsibility and become worthless. It's important to pay attention to what Jesus says.
He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Let's pray. Dear God, we're so thankful to you that you sent your son, Jesus Christ, 